What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you guys are checking out Ethos Fantasy BB. We still have content coming out there daily. My podcast, there's also pickup articles that go out there every single day. Talking about hot players to consider adding on the weekend. We have our two-star pitchers, our weather report, our bullpen article. We have a ton of stuff still coming out there. I know the season is winding down, but we are still here providing you guys content every day at Sports Ethos. So make sure you're checking us out on Twitter. If you're not there, then go right to the source at sportsethos.com. You get all of our content over there. Football is really ramping up. There is news every single day uh, on the NFL side that is impacting fantasy drafts. Basketball is really starting to kick up as well. People are starting to do mock drafts. I know Dan has been doing mock drafts on our YouTube channel. So there's a lot of cool content for you guys all across the Sports Ethos Network, YouTube, uh, you know, on the actual website, Twitter, everywhere you can find us. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. But today we are going to be talking about what we've done these last few Thursdays is look at some hot players over the last couple of weeks and talk about whether or not we should consider adding them. I'm not going to be talking about the hot players like Julio Rodriguez because obviously there's really nowhere you're going to be finding Julio Rodriguez. We're going to be talking about the players who are available in a lot of leagues who might have been fallen uh, below the cracks, under the radar, however you want to put it. But just as a side note, Julio, 25 for his last 56. Uh, the guy has been a real treat to watch. And actually, so has Bobby Wood Jr., uh, you know, the other big rookie from last year. I guess Adley Rutschman is also in that group. But damn, these guys have been just ridiculous over the last couple of weeks. Bobby Witt's actually second in the American League in war now. But I'm getting off topic. Let's talk about um, a couple of these hot players that you guys can consider adding right now. Now, this one feels kind of weird to even say it, but Josh Rojas, since he's come to Seattle, has looked really, really good. If you look back over the last couple of weeks, he's 15 for his last 38, 13 runs scored, eight ribbies, two homers, and three stolen bases during that time frame. We know that Josh Rojas, from his time in the majors, specifically with Arizona these last couple of years, he can be a valuable fantasy asset when he is getting everyday playing time. We know there's a little bit of pop there. We have seen uh, you know, 11 home runs from him in the past. Not crazy, but a little bit of pop. Uh, and we've seen a couple from him over the last couple of weeks here. Uh, the speed is really where you can get uh, a little bit excited with Rojas. 23 stolen bases last year. He has nine this year. Only 240 at-bats, though not a huge sample size. And again, if you look back over the last 38 at-bats, three stolen bases in that time frame. He's playing most days uh, in that Seattle lineup pretty much every day at the bottom of the order as an 8-9 bat, which can kind of hurt uh, the fantasy value if you're batting 8th or ninth. You can also look at it from the other side of the coin there, which is to say even if you're batting ninth in a lineup, you're almost like a second leadoff hitter. You get on, and then you have the top of the order. Uh, that can drive you in. That's not just for Seattle. That can go for a lot of teams. You flip over from Rojas, you got J.P. Crawford, you got Julio, you got Eugenio Suarez, Cal Raleigh, Ty France. So he gets on base, decent chance that he is going to be driven in, and we've seen that a lot recently. Uh, just over his last four games, we've seen seven runs scored from Josh Rojas. So I don't know how long it's going to last for, but he's on a little bit of a tear right now. They are going to face Kansas City. Fairly weak pitching as a whole that you're going to find uh, on the Kansas City staff. And you might be able to see Josh Rojas sneak another home run, uh, get a few more runs, and probably uh, steal a base in that time frame as well. Don't know that he's a rest-of-season type of play, but I'd be willing to add him right now while the iron's hot and use that production uh, while you can in a daily change format. Second and third base eligible, 
definitely pretty easy to sneak into a lineup there uh, as well. You can put him if you're in a roto setting as well. You got middle and corner infield with those designations. So there's a lot of versatility with Rojas. He gives you a little bit of everything when he is on, and right now he is on. Not to say that you know you pick him up, you set him, and forget him. You got to keep an eye and see because if he drops out of the lineup, then there's obviously no use there. If he goes a couple of games where he's 0 for 4, I wouldn't be opposed to dropping him. This is simply a, a matter of taking advantage of a player who's been on uh, quite a bit of a hot streak recently. Let's talk about Ryan Yarbrough. Ryan Yarbrough has gotten, uh, is it two saves? No, just one save and two wins over the last couple of weeks. But even if you look back over the last month, 19 and a third innings pitched. It's a 140 ERA, a .62 whip. Three wins and a save in that time frame. Even if you look back over the course of the whole season, the whip has been really good uh, at 104. 369 ERA is fine, but it's really that whip that has made him uh, a difference maker for fantasy, especially recently. We have seen him go two or three bulk innings uh, since he's gotten to the Dodgers, and he's gotten you a couple wins. You're going to have more wins uh, available to you when you're pitching for the Dodgers, especially when you're pitching bulk relief like he is. And while he's pitching the way he is, I have no problem at all adding Ryan Yarbrough in uh, if you are looking for another reliever or another starter, the beauty is he is eligible at both positions. You can slot him in as an SP. You can slot him in as an RP. And either way, he's having value for you right now. Now, how sustainable is it? I don't know that it's in, you know crazy sustainability, but it doesn't really need to last that long. That's the beauty about these end-of-season kind of pickups is that you only need a couple weeks' worth of production out of them. Ryan Yarbrough, you know, he's in a pitching organization that is very, very good right now. The Dodgers are excellent with developing, tinkering things with pitchers. We've just seen it with Lance Lynn. We've seen it over the last couple of years, Tyler Anderson. And there's several other examples that aren't coming at the top of my head right now. But pitchers go there from being awful in other places. They tend to come to Los Angeles, and they look pretty damn good. And that's what he's done so far as a Dodger. Not a must-roster player, but he is an interesting play if you are looking for a little bit of help with your whip, the potential for a win, and maybe even a save here and there. I don't expect there to be a lot of saves, but maybe he gets one or two more uh, down the stretch. I could definitely see him getting one or two more wins. Strikeouts are not going to be really there for you, but again, this is more of a situation where you're just hoping to lower your whip a little bit, looking for some stability week in and week out uh, from a relief pitcher standpoint. And I think Ryan Yarbrough has done a very good job of that. If you look back over the last month, he is the 20th-ranked player. The last two weeks, he is the 13th-ranked player. Now, a lot of that is weighed because of the wins. Wins can come and go. But even without the wins, you've seen good ratios from him recently. So I am willing to take a chance on Ryan Yarbrough right now. Another reliever that we've talked about uh, on and off over the last couple of weeks is Tyler Holton. And Tyler Holton, a lot of people are probably saying, who the hell is Tyler Holton? He is a top 50 player right now for the season, for the entire season. If you look at Yahoo's algorithm, 48th right now over the whole season, 22nd over the last month, and 14th over the last two weeks. You know, I suggested adding him uh, in each of these last two shows, I believe, that we've done on Thursdays. For sure last week, and I think maybe it was a mailbag show or something, but we've talked about him a few times. If you look back, let's look at the last month, 13 and two-thirds innings, 15 strikeouts. He's a 132 ERA and a .44 whip. The last two weeks, it's seven and two-thirds innings, eight strikeouts, a zero ERA and a .26 whip. Now you might say, okay, it's a small sample size. If you look at the whole season, 66 innings pitched, he has a 162 ERA and a .83 whip. He's been really excellent, nearly a strikeout per inning, 61 Ks and 66 innings. Now, those three wins and one save have all come over the last month, so that's really boosted his overall value. Wins have a, a disproportionate amount of value for fantasy just because they're very hard to come by. 
But Tyler Holton right now is getting those kind of high leverage innings at the back end of the Tigers pen. It wouldn't shock me to see him get a couple saves down the stretch either with the inconsistencies that we've seen out of their bullpen. Uh, and even if he's not getting you saves, I think that there's still a lot of value in what he's given you. You know, he's going to come out there and pitch four or five innings a week. He's essentially like another starter. And I've had this conversation a lot over the last couple of years. I have talked about it uh, you know, a ton um, that you don't need to be getting saves to be a valuable reliever, especially when you're out there pitching five or six innings. You're essentially like another starter who is less prone to blowups. That's that's generally what you're getting out of a lot of these high leverage relievers. Last year, Andres Munoz was the guy that I was banging the drum for, saying, pick him up, pick him up, pick him up. I don't care if it's a 10-team, 8-team league, whatever it is. Andres Munoz, crazy high strikeout rate, good ratios. He has value. Holton's not giving you the same kind of strikeout rate, but the ratios at 162 and .83 respectively are just ridiculous. You know, a lot of people will say he's not this good. He's probably not this good. No one's really this good. But relievers do have these magical seasons here and there, and this is one of those years for Holton. You say, ah, who who knows if he's going to keep it up. Well, he's kept it up for, you know, five out of the six months of the season so far. It could blow up in your face. It could, but even then, blowing up in your face from a reliever standpoint is giving up, what, three runs? two, three runs. If that happens, you know, you want to get upset and drop them, fine. It's not the end of the world, though. It really isn't. And the upside is you get somebody who is able to give you five or six innings every week of shutout baseball with six, seven strikeouts, a good chance for a victory slash a save in any given week because he's pitching in high leverage situations, seventh, eighth, potentially ninth inning. That bullpen at the back end, I don't know how much confidence they have in Jason Foley and Alex Lang. Neither of them is that that's spectacular, I don't think. wouldn't shock me to see him get uh, a couple of saves down the stretch here. I don't know. Foley's been pretty bad recently. Alex Lang is just not somebody that I think is particularly great. He's been pretty good recently, but overall, uh, it wouldn't shock me to see Holton get one or two more opportunities down the stretch here. So he's definitely somebody uh, that I am keeping an eye on and adding in certain places if you really need a reliever as well. I think him and Yarbrough both make a lot of sense. But let's go back to a couple more position players that we're going to talk about here. Never thought I'd be getting to this point, but Tommy Pham is looking like he should be on rosters everywhere. He is the third hole in the Diamondbacks lineup every single night. He's playing every single day. If you look back over the last like 10 games, he's only sat one of them. Really good stuff there. He's producing, too. It's not just that he's getting the playing time. If you look at the last two weeks, three homers, two steals. He's batting 300, 10 runs, and 13 RBIs. Really solid. If you look back over the last month as a whole, he's batting 250 with four homers and four steals. Really solid production for somebody who's on only 32% of rosters. If you're in a five outfielder league, Tommy Pham is a must roster player right now. I think even if you're in a three outfielder, 12 team kind of league where you've got 36 to 40 some odd outfielders rostered, I could definitely see an argument to have Tommy Pham there <coughs> either as a bench piece or as your last outfielder while he is producing right now. And that's, again, something I'm going to reiterate again here. These guys that I'm mentioning today, we do these shows once a week because this is the time when you just need every little bit of production you can. These are not necessarily rest-of-season type players. Tommy Pham could be. Tommy Pham, if he sticks in the three-hole rest-of-season, keeps giving you this kind of production, a couple homers and a steal every week, then he is going to be a rest-of-season type of player. But everybody we're mentioning today, pretty much, keep it in the back of your mind that I'm riding these players until they give me a reason not to. And right now, all of these guys that were mentioned so far and going to continue to mention have given you a reason to roster them. Tommy Pham, based on the lineup context, based on the actual production, he's got to be added. There's not really 
two ways about it. I think Tommy Pham is is a must-roster player at this point, as crazy as it is to say. Over the course of the season, 13 homers, 15 steals, and a 264 batting average. That'll play. That'll definitely play in any format, and I think that he's somebody that you guys should take a look at and add him now uh, while the production is still pretty hot. Now let's talk about Adam Duvall. It's been an Adam Duvall bookend kind of season. If you guys remember the first week or so of the year, Adam Duvall was the number one ranked fantasy player before he got hurt. He was hitting home runs all over the place. He was batting 500. He was stupid good. He was stealing a couple bases. Then he missed most of the season, came back, didn't look so great. No one was really that interested, myself included. And now you look back over the last two weeks, four home runs and 43 at-bats, including three over his last 27 at-bats, batting 370 over the last week. He's batting right in the middle of that Red Sox lineup, usually in the four or five hole. Occasionally he'll drop down to six, but usually you're looking at the four or five hole in a lineup that has been surprisingly very good, even though the team as a whole has been generally kind of disappointing, I guess, 67 and 60. Well, I guess the expectations weren't that high coming into the year. Maybe they're not so disappointing. But from an offensive standpoint, the Red Sox are third in Major League Baseball in hits and batting average per game, sixth in slugging, sixth in OPS. They're 18th in home runs, not a ton of home runs. But when you're getting as many hits and guys on base as Boston is, you know, seventh in on-base percentage, a 761 OPS is really good as a team. It's sixth in all of baseball. Adam Duvall in the middle of that lineup, there is going to be a lot of opportunities for him to produce. People are adding him, so this is the time to be doing it before it is too late. He was 20% rostered last week. He's now up to 30% rostered in Yahoo Leagues, and those numbers aren't going to be fully um, reflective of what's going on because there are people who have zoned out of baseball, and there are a couple leagues that I have, I'll be honest with you, where I have seen that I am way out of it, and there's no chance, and I'm not really participating much in those leagues anymore. I feel bad about it. I stretch myself out a little bit too thin, but if you're in a head-to-head league and you're seeing that you're 4-18 and 18 for the season, you know, there's not really much that you can do at this point. All that you're going to be doing is kind of wasting your time. There are definitely people who are in those situations across all different leagues, ESPN to NFBC. It doesn't matter what you're playing in. So you're not going to see those players that get really hot go up to 100% rostered anymore. So maybe once you see a guy at 70%, 80%, you figure, okay, that's pretty much all the leagues where he's going to be added in. That being said, though, 30% for Adam Duvall should be a lot higher. He's somebody that interests me quite a bit. Let's move on, though. Let's talk Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil, I was a huge fan last year, huge fan coming into this year, and granted, he is really disappointed. And it hasn't been because of the counting stats. It's really just been the batting average. 266 clip on the year for a guy who we know is very much more than capable uh, of being a 300 hitter. Jeff McNeil, for his career, is a 299 hitter, and he was 300 above 300 coming into this season. If you look back on his years, 329, 318, 311. The 251 in 2021 definitely stands out. Then he got back up to 326 last year, and we were thinking, okay, the 2021 year was the outlier, and it definitely was. Now the batting average has come back down this season, but it's also come with seven stolen bases, which ties a career high. And, I mean, that's kind of a side note, but he is batting a lot better over this last month and over these last couple of weeks. 322 batting average over the last month with 18 runs and 17 RBIs. That's a good, healthy total from a guy like Jeff McNeil. 35 runs and RBIs in a given month. That is really good. He's also got three balls out of the yard, and he's stolen two bases this past month. And, I mean, I know they're not an amazing lineup, but he bats third for the Mets. The Mets are a very troubling team to kind of figure out because their talent level is a lot better than their actual production has been so far this season. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that, that there's a lot more talent on this roster than what has been demonstrated so far this year. They're 59 and 69. Absolutely ridiculous. But when you go through the roster and you see Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, Pete Alonso, 
Francisco Alvarez. There is a lot of talent in that lineup. There's also guys like Jonathan Arauz and Rafael Ortega, DJ Stewart, Daniel Vogelbach. It's not ideal, but at the top of that order, you know, he is sandwiched between Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso. There's a hell of a lot worse situations you could be in for a guy who does get on base a lot. He is going to score, and he is also going to drive in a decent amount of runs, and we've seen that recently. We've seen it all kind of come together for Jeff McNeil, and this is the upside of a player like McNeil. You're not going to get a hell of a lot of runs, or excuse me, you're not going to get a hell of a lot of home runs, not a hell of a lot of stolen bases, but the batting average is pretty damn good, especially recently. 322 over the last month, 387 for the last week, you know, even the last two weeks, 356. If you break it down in any which way over the last month or even six weeks, he's looking really, really good. That batting average, you know, he maintains what he's doing right now. Till season's end, you're probably going to be looking at you know a 270 something, maybe a 280 batting average, which I think most of us are probably going to take. And it doesn't even really matter, right? We kind of get bogged down into this thing. I do it. Everybody does it. Of looking at what a player has done to date and almost in our head thinking that that counts towards our stat line. So Lance Lynn was a good example of this. Everybody sees and you know, continues to see Lance Lynn's numbers right now are still not great. Lance Lynn has a 560 ERA and a 136 whip for the season. People will look at that. Even now, he's only well, he's up to 86% rostered now. People, I guess, have kind of figured it out. But there's a long time where people were saying, okay, the numbers are bad, the season's bad, I don't, I don't want him on my roster. Which, you know, if there's a couple of different ways you can go with that. If you're going the route of, I don't think it's going to get better, then, then that's an absolutely valid uh, you know, path to go down. If you don't want to add a player with a, with a high ERA because in your head you're thinking that that number counts towards your stat line. I know it sounds kind of stupid because it's like, Joe, obviously it doesn't count towards your stat line. It's already happened. A lot of people do think like that, and every now and then I'll get caught up in that kind of thing. You can go and add a player, and it's like, oh, his ERA is really high. The batting average is really low for the season. But none of that counts. None of that matters because they're not currently on your team. None of the production, even if they batted zero, literally zero for 100 to start the season, and then you pick them up the day after, that zero for 100 doesn't really matter. I'm using a very extreme example to illustrate my point, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about here. Don't go looking at the season-to-date stats and say, oh, you know, Joe, he's got six homers and seven steals. He's batting 266. Look at the recent trends. Look at where he's batting in the lineup, and look at the team as a whole. The team as a whole, not been terrible recently. They've actually been pretty good. Now, they're facing Atlanta right now. It's been kind of a tough series against Atlanta, but, I mean, that kind of goes without saying. For a lot of teams, it's going to be a tough series against Atlanta. Jeff McNeil. You know, even in that series against Atlanta, three for five, two for four. Now he's 0 for four yesterday. This is going to happen from time to time for everybody, but I wouldn't let that stop you from adding him up right now. It also doesn't hurt that he's got second base and outfield eligibility. Uh, I'm not sure if he's actually, has he maintained that into the season? So he's got 97 appearances at second, and he's got 51 in the outfield. So yeah, he's going to carry that. He has it for this year, and he's going to have it again for next year. So I really like Jeff McNeil. It's a down year, but I'm not looking at it from a point of view of, you know, there's no value in Jeff McNeil. There's still a hell of a lot of value in Jeff McNeil, uh, especially the way that he has performed recently. So those are the guys I'm highlighting for you this week. Once again, Josh Rojas, Ryan Yarbrough, um, Tyler Holton, Tommy Pham, Adam Duvall, and Jeff McNeil. Those are the guys that I would be going out of my way and adding. And again, I'll say it one more time. It's not to say that you add them and they are just on your roster till October 1st now. you got to maintain uh, diligence. You have to constantly be looking at the waiver wire, seeing if there is somebody who gets dropped, <clears throat> a team is not paying attention, streamers who are you know, widely available when they shouldn't be. 
there are little edges you can give yourself over the last month of the season that are really going to help you, and they're really going to push you forward for a championship. It doesn't matter if you're playing points, roto, head-to-head, some combination, because there are combination leagues of roto, regular season, head-to-head playoffs. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. It doesn't matter what your format is. Whatever it is, as long as you're able to add players, I mean, draft drafted holds are very different, but if you're able to add players, then you need to be adding players and continuously making moves here over the last couple of weeks. That is my advice. That is what I'm going to leave you guys on. If you have any questions, you guys can reach out to me. I'm at JoeOrico99, also at EthosFantasyBB over on the Twitter machine. That's where you guys can get all of our new content, new podcasts, articles. We post polls, different information, uh, information about live shows and different things like that. That's over on Twitter. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter or X or whatever the hell, I kind of cringe whenever somebody calls it X, so I still just call it Twitter. But you guys can go to sportsethos.com. That's where you get all the rest of our great content. But we'll be back again tomorrow, wrap up the week. We'll take a look at a couple of weekend streamers. We'll take a look at some news and notes from the day. Couldn't get the Shohei Otani today because I just <clears throat> I just couldn't do it. Uh, we talked about it a lot yesterday. And I honestly just, uh, I'm just going to be angry and swearing the whole time if I talk about Otani. So maybe tomorrow we'll talk about Shohei's situation if you want my thoughts on it. I mean, I, I talked about it on yesterday's podcast. Before we really had a clear picture, that was when he was pulled from the start. This was before we really knew the severity of it. But my thoughts yesterday stand uh, on how I feel about Otani and the way the Angels have handled that situation. Uh, but I'll let you guys go. Again, couldn't couldn't get into it today because it would just be an angry rant for an hour, which maybe some of you guys like, but I just didn't have it in me today. We'll talk tomorrow about Otani streamers and the rest of the things going around, uh, going on around the rest of baseball. But until then, guys, take care. Have a great night. And cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.